intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you Hey, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast, where we discuss and get some interesting people, and this week is no different. John and I are blessed to have Jamie Irvine of the Heavy Duty Parts Report on the show, where we learn the connection between saving money, parts, maintenance, and safety. Uh, so every driver, every operations manager, and maintenance managers will want to tune into this podcast. Jamie, welcome to our Trucking Risk and Insurance podcast. Jamie is the Yay! host. Oh, we're so irrelevant here. (laughs) Some people think we're relevant, but really we're not relevant at all, Jamie. Far, far from it. Jamie, can you give us an introduction of you? You host your own podcast. What's the name of the podcast? What's your background? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. I always love to get a chance to jump on the mic, although, as you mentioned, I have my own show, so I'm usually the one asking the questions. <laughs> my, my show is the Heavy Duty Parts Report, and uh, you can find that at heavydutypartsreport.com. And my background is in, is in truck parts. Um, I Right out of school, I moved from New Brunswick to Vancouver, went to work for a small remanufacturing facility, and that's where I started to learn about uh, you know the parts that go on trucks and equipment and we were remanufacturing pneumatic valving uh, we eventually got into relining brake shoes and uh, did a little bit of air over hydraulic stuff for for mining and logging applications and I, I spent 10 years at that company really learning the business and doing every job I started in the shop then I was a shop foreman, then I was an operations manager, then I was a national sales manager. And from there, I started selling heavy-duty parts. I went to work for Traction Heavy Duty and worked for them for a couple years and kind of got to see the the warehouse distribution and and retail side of the business. And uh, I, I, I stepped away from the industry for a few years in 2009. I started a contracting business and, um, was able to successfully build that business up and sell it in 2016. And I was too young to retire and uh, needed to do something. So I got back together with some old bosses who now work for Truck Pro down in the States, and they were working mm. for the Canadian division here, and got back into selling truck parts. And that's when I decided, after doing that for a couple of years, that there was a real need for someone to focus on heavy-duty parts in the podcasting space, and so I launched uh, the Heavy-Duty Parts Report in 2019, and now I'm a consultant that works with heavy-duty parts companies and the host of my show. So that's just just like 22 years and two and a half minutes. (laughs) There you go. Good deal. (laughs) I mean, what's really interesting to me is your podcast and the fact that you are a consultant to the industry as well. But your podcast is so much more than just for the heavy-duty parts stuff. For instance, one of the the, uh, titles that I found really interesting, three ways to uh, improve your truck performance. So who is your podcast for? Well, 
that that was something that I had to figure out as I went along. Uh, originally, my thought was that when I was a sales account manager and and I would bring manufacturers of heavy duty parts out into the field, we would go to fleets and and repair shops and we would talk to them about the parts that that manufacturer was uh, responsible for for bringing to the market, and we would have these great conversations and they would be talking about issues with commercial fleets and with with uh you know class eight trucks and trailers and and the manufacturer reps would then bring that information from the street back to the manufacturing company and then they would talk about how to address those issues and um that was kind of the the ideas like i i love doing that and i thought well if we could record these kind of conversations we could then make them available to everybody and so as time has gone on We've really narrowed in on on three types of listeners. We have parts technicians, repair technicians, and fleet maintenance managers. And they're really the core of our audience. So we try to cover subjects, always looking at it from a parts perspective, but uh, trying to cover subjects that are relevant to the vehicle owner, the commercial fleet, to the people who install the parts, and the people who buy and sell those parts. But what the heck did you do? You had me as a guest on your show. And I know nothing about heavy-duty truck parts. <laughs> That's true. Although, you know a lot about safety, and throughout the entire conversation, uh, what we talked about was the relationship between good safety and the parts that go on a truck and, and the repair process to make sure that trucks are being repaired with high-quality parts, that they are safe to operate before they leave the yard, and how that impacts the overall safety of the fleet, which then overall impacts the total cost of operation. Because really, that's what our show is about. It's, it's how do we lower total cost of operation? And we do that through a lot of different ways, up to and including, of course, buying high quality and installing high quality parts. It's, it's definitely educational to be able to know what's out there, what good quality products are. Because I know they've talked about uh, many times uh, offshore products, which can get you into trouble. And, and some people don't know which manufacturers are producing, you know, subpar products. Well, and when I was selling parts back in the early 2000s and working for that remanufacturing facility, one of the big threats at that time was the influx of what they at that time called offshore parts. Of course, the industry has dramatically changed. Uh, it There really isn't a tier one manufacturer that doesn't have manufacturing occurring overseas at this point. And quality parts, both on the tier one OEM side as well as the aftermarket side in tier two, uh, the quality of, of, of products being manufactured globally has come up a lot. And so in, in some ways it's very good, but in other ways it makes it very difficult for fleet maintenance managers and procurement people to make good quality decisions on what parts they should be purchasing and installing. And one of the things that, of course, fleets want to do is control their costs. So they don't want to overpay when they don't need to. On the flip side, for the, for the risk assessment people, uh, they don't want to install something that when you're coming down the Coquihalla Highway, uh, you know, and your brakes give out and you have a major accident and it comes back to the fact that you didn't spec the right part, you know, brake parts or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's that side of the issue. So there, there's a lot of confusion right now about what 
can be used, what should be used. And what ends up happening is a lot of times people just default to, well, I'm just going to buy from the dealer then. But then they drive their costs up exponentially when they do that. So, you know, you can't have it all and you have to make good decisions. And that's what we're really trying to do is educate the entire industry about what decisions they should be making, how they should put that decision process in place so that when they come up with whatever situation they're coming up with, they've got a methodology to go about making those decisions and, and basing it on good quality information. Is it still a couple of years ago, I remember reading in truck news, um, there is a huge influx of counterfeit parts. Can you still, <laughs> is that still happening now where it looks like the real thing, but of course the price is 50% or less and you can't tell the difference. Is that still happening? Well, you, you rarely get more than you pay for. And um, if, if something is 50% cheaper than what you've normally been buying and you've been getting really good performance out of what you've been buying, you should really stop and think about what came out of that product to get it to that price point. Because, you know, how much it costs to ship it and typically the raw material costs um, and the labor costs, are, these are the only three areas where you can take out. So it's one thing to say, well, we, we were able to reduce labor costs. That, and that is quite possible that that was achieved in an overseas market. But when it comes to raw materials, the raw materials cost what they cost. And there's a reason that good quality raw materials cost what they do because they have performance characteristics that withstand the huge range of environments that commercial trucks work in in Canada and the United States. I mean, on, on a good hard day of driving, you can go through three or four different environments from, let's say, the foothills of the Rocky Mountains in Alberta to, to Vancouver. You can do that in one day and you've crossed the Rockies, you've gone through, you know, forested areas, you've gone through a semi-desert, and you've gone through a semi-rainforest uh, all in one day. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. have thousands of feet of elevation gain and loss as you've made that trip. So the raw materials that make good quality parts, they, they have characteristics that are very specific to the environments that we operate in. Plus, you have huge temperature ranges as well oh. in, in Canada and, and also down in the States when you get into the southern states and you get into the desert areas. So, you know, for example... Uh, rubber versus polyurethane. I mean, you just can't make polyurethane for what you can make a rubber bushing out of. And there's just no way to get around that because the raw materials are what they are. So when I, when I hear people say, yeah, but I can get that for 50 or 60% less, <laughs> that is a massive red flag. Yeah. <laughs> they, they almost need to hear what they're saying. Yeah. One of my... Uh, um... I know of somebody, I don't want to call them a friend or an associate even, but I know of somebody who purchases um, offshore tires uh, mm -hmm. by the container and brings them in. And they're not a name that you are, you are well, maybe you have, but it's not a name, uh, not a name brand tire, that's for sure, that I'm aware of. <laughs> and he sells a boatload of them. Wow. It's unreal. Uh, and he even has yeah. spears. And, you know, as long as, like, I'm more familiar with, let's say, brake lining uh, in that scenario, very similar. I mean, as long as it passes the, the DOT and, and national standards for, for performance, and as long as the customer understands what they're buying 
and and where to use that product, it can actually be a good strategy. So, for example, if I have a, a yard truck that's never going to see any grade at all, I don't want to spend, you know, top dollar on tires and and friction material. I mean, why would I do that? Or if I've got a truck that is my spare and it's only for a certain application and we only use it once in a while, as long as the products I'm using pass the safety standards and, and the national standards set out for that product, um, it might be a perfect application to use that kind of product. But I don't want to then use that same product on a vehicle that is slated to go into the Rocky Mountains tomorrow and then have a problem. Yeah. Uh, just a little thing called somebody's life is at the <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's got to be some responsibility there, by all means. So, but do you? I, I take it also with with the podcast and and uh, your consulting services that you have as well. You also do some coaching or training, I guess, on how to use that particular product if it happens to be a little different than another manufacturer. Well, the. The focus of my consulting work is is it's interesting how this this occurred because when I when I first started the show my thought was that I was going to find ways to monetize the audience I was going to maybe uh, put some affiliate links or I was going to sell some products or tools directly to the audience and that was my my thought process of where I was going to make money I also thought about maybe starting some training programs specifically for parts technicians and repair technicians and things sure. like that. But what ended up happening is, is my guests, uh, about 10% of them have become clients of mine and their primary, uh, focus is is like how do we grow responsibly how do we expand our market share and how do we communicate the value of what we do uh, to our customers and and a lot of them are i would say almost all of them have uh, a distribution channel in place where they're not selling directly to the commercial vehicle owners or the fleets they're selling to a distri- distributor who then resells their product so they lose a little bit of control uh, on how these messages are communicated and so i spend a lot of time working with clients on really helping them to build a relationship with the end user the commercial fleet the vehicle owner the independent repair shop build a relationship with them communicating your value propositions in a way that that is going to really benefit them and and empower them to make better decisions and get the full value of your products without creating channel conflict with your distribution. Sure. And so it's, it's a function of sales and marketing at the end of the day, I'm a talker. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. where my my strength lies. Uh, But, but, you know, as someone who has, who had his own business, who sold his own business, who, who has worked at every level of the, of the supply chain from manufacturing all the way to retail. I have a really good understanding of all the people involved and how to go about doing that. So we have a methodology that we teach our clients and we work with them to develop that. And, and some of it does come in the form of training. Training, you know, in some ways I'm training the trainer because I'm training mm-hmm. the people who go mm-hmm. into the field who then have to yeah. do the training. In other ways, it's just a function of working with their uh, team in order to make sure that they are getting the message out there to the right people sure. and the right people are seeing it when they need to see it. Yeah. So regardless, whatever you're doing, you're educating somebody. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> yep. That's what John and I do all the time, just in a <laughs> Might not train you, but we'll educate you. (laughs) So we're recording this in uh, the early part of January. 
What challenges do you see for the either your industry specific, the heavy parts, um, or transportation trucking in general, whichever way you want to attack it? But what challenges uh, do you see for the year ahead? I think the biggest issue is it's probably it's related to what you think I'm going to say, but it's probably not exactly what you would think I would say. So most people would think I would say it's the supply chain issues. And they're a big factor. But what I'm, I'm seeing a concerning trend that's starting already, and we're only a few days into January. When companies are under duress, there is a lot of pressure on the leadership to make good decisions. And when things like the, supply, the current supply chain issues where parts availability has been dramatically impacted and, and that's not going to ease up until at least the end of 2022, we also have the economic uncertainty with runaway inflation. We're going to have interest rates go up, which is going to impact, um, try, you know, the feds are going to try to slow the inflation down. But when the interest rates goes up, then consumer spending goes down. And that affects trucking because that affects retail uh, people spending money at retail, which then has a big impact on on trucking. Um, when we're in these situations where there's so much uncertainty, we have another variant of concern that is, you know, going across the, the entire continent, that's going to impact truck drivers crossing borders from U.S. to Canada, from U.S. to Mexico. That's going to further exacerbate the issues with um, with the supply chain. But the real underlying issue on all of that is, is how do commercial fleets and manufacturers of parts and distributors of parts, what decisions do they make under that kind of, of duress? And for example, I've seen some companies start to pull away from like sales and marketing efforts. Well, that's because they're so concerned about trying to solve problems on the supply chain side, getting raw materials for manufacturing, getting parts out to their distribution. Distributors are concerned with getting enough parts to just fill the orders they have. So you can see the, the trickle-down effect. When you make a bad decision, though, under duress, it has a, a, a very bad exponential impact 12 to 18 months from now. So you think about, like, for example, someone who decides, well, we don't even have enough parts to sell right now. We're going to back off on sales and marketing. Right. Um, but what happens if three out of the four people competing for that market share do that and the one person doesn't, yep. in 18 months, you might be in a position where you were first in the marketplace and in 18 months, you're going to be fourth, mm-hmm. which might as well be zero. Yeah. So, uh, and there's that's an issue whether you're selling parts. Um, I'm sure that there's the same kinds of fundamental issues if you're running a fleet. You know, bad oh, yeah. decisions today under duress oh, yeah. can have really big negative consequences downstream. I have a friend of mine that has a good phrase for that. Every behavior has an echo. And uh, and this is where it'll come back to bite you, whether you're a distributor or whether you're the purchaser. You know, I've always thought when, when you have these situations where there's lots going on, you have this duress that you're talking about, this is the time to tighten your relationship with your customers and your suppliers. You need to know, I need to know, I've got confidence in you. You're going to be there when we need me. You're going to tell me the truth. You're going to tell me, hey, we've got a supply problem, but we're working on it. We'll keep you in the loop as to what's going on. Even though I can't get parts, at least I would know I'm being enlightened on a weekly basis. Here's the status. Oh, God, we just got a shipment in. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. You know, but I think you need to keep those relationships tight. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you need to have people who you can trust who's going to tell you the truth, not just tell you what you want to hear. Because yeah. sometimes the truth is very difficult to, to handle in the short term, but in the long term is always going to benefit you. One of the concerns I have on the commercial fleet side is, we okay, we don't have parts. We've got trucks down. It's it's blowing up our, our downtime costs. Um, we're losing revenue. So we're going to use that part that we never would have used even just six months ago. <laughs> Then that truck hey, we're going to send them to the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, and then that truck goes up the Rockies or goes to the desert and has a catastrophic failure, yep. and yep. someone's life's at risk, or uh, the, the entire unit is lost because we, we you know, we blowed an engine because we didn't use the right cooling parts yep. or something like that. Yep. Um, this is what I mean by by we have to slow down right now. We have to stick to the the fundamentals that we know work. And we have to look at things from a much longer perspective than just this quarter. We've got to start looking at things from that longer timeline because with the longer timeline, we will make better decisions. And right now, that's my biggest concern. And I've just seen some evidence of some companies just making some early decisions that could have a real negative effect. And it's got me worried. Ouch. Yeah, I can imagine. If they use the same decision matrix or decision-making process that made them successful over the last several years, let's say, Mm -hmm. if they continued with that, um, they would likely continue to be successful. But what you're saying, Mm -hmm. or what I hear you saying, I think, is that companies are changing their decision process to accommodate a a short fix or a quick fix. Mm -hmm. And quick fixes never seem to work. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a little bit of latitude for that because obviously we have to be flexible, but, um, I, I just, anybody listening, just as a reminder, don't, don't abandon the fundamentals that we rely on to put out safe, uh, trucks that are going to operate and, and withstand the vocation that they're designed to be in. Don't yeah. sacrifice short-term to try to overcome a problem. And, and, you know, you end up saving a few hundred dollars, but it costs you tens of thousands or worse on, on, the, on, the long, on a longer timeline. Well, they, we never think of it until something happens. And the unfortunate aspect is we need to think of it before it happens because it could be your family that's in that vehicle that's in front of that truck with those inferior parts, and he can't get that thing stopped, and he's that's a good word into that vehicle, you know. And it could be anybody; it could be the owner's family. Who knows? You know, it's it's not worth the risk. No, it's not. And and with the direction that we've seen with some of these nuclear verdicts and, and um, look at that verdict with someone who just got 110 years for a commercial for a commercial vehicle crash that cost the lives of some people. I don't know all the details of that. I don't pretend to know that. But the the public is not putting up with what they did in the past. And because of that, policymakers are moving to try to, um, you know, to meet public demand in, in, in really... What that means is is that the trucking fleets need to be more diligent now than ever before. And with so much uncertainty, I know that's much it's, you know it's easy for us on the mics right now in studio to talk about that. It's another thing to be <laughs> in the actual trenches of a commercial fleet and have to make these tough decisions when you know there are parts shortages that are holding up. I, I've heard horror stories of trucks being held up for eight weeks because of sensors not being available. This is having a huge yeah. Yeah. cost. 
uh, in the short term. But this is what exactly what I'm worried about. It's that there's all this pressure in the short term and we start to forget the fundamentals and we forget that if we make a bad decision, the long-term implication could be far, far worse than what we're experiencing in the short term. So can we flip that around? And let me ask you this, what opportunities do you see for 22? Downturns are... And right now, you know, I mean, going into the year, yes, there's inflation and there's a lot of uncertainty. The economic outlook for 2022 is actually not that bad. Uh, It looks like like inflation is going to decelerate as as we get into Q3 and Q4. Um, You know, our growth has has been knocked down from from a little above 4% to GDP growth of just under uh, 4%, something like 3.8 is what Goldman Sachs Sachs just put out. so overall, it's not like we're, we're staring down a ref, uh, recession or anything like that. But um, with the supply chain issues, there's a lot of companies that are really struggling. And so while, while the greater economy may be looking not bad considering the pandemic and everything, the internal um, experience of, of companies inside of the trucking industry may be a little different. And that's not actually all that uncommon. The trucking industry is the, is the canary in the coal mine. When things are going really well in the trucking industry, the economy is about to boom. And when things are really rough in the, in the trucking industry, sometimes that's an indicator that things are going to be tough um, in the greater economy. So one of the biggest opportunities is, is you sticking to the fundamentals and your competition not. So I would say the biggest opportunity right now is to execute well on your strategic plans for 2022, understanding that there's going to be a high degree of of volatility and variability in, in you're going to have to pivot. But the closer you can stick to the fundamentals and the, the more that you can lean on those relationships, John, that you were talking about, to leverage those relationships, the, the opportunity actually to come out of this really tough time in the trucking industry and to be ahead of your competition is probably never greater than it's been in a decade. And so now is the time to capitalize on that. And there are some specifics, but again, without knowing your specific, you, mm-hmm. the listener, I, I wouldn't want to talk in any more specific terms. But but generally speaking, anytime that there's issues in, in the economy, issues in an industry, there are opportunities because your competition just might make a mistake. And if you're in the right position, you can capitalize on that. Yeah. I was, I was going to come back to what Chris had touched on a little bit earlier there when he had mentioned about... <clears throat> If, if what you did previously made you very successful, now is not the time to shortcut that. Because when things get tough and when things get rough and whatnot, now is actually the perfect time to enhance your maintenance programs, uh, uptick, make sure your, your uh, technicians are all up to snuff, you've got the right products and the right equipment to maintain your vehicles. Because with supply and demand right now, about ready to go through the roof because of the supply chain, it's going to be the guy who can stay on the road the longest. And if you've got inferior parts, well, that's going to cause you problems. You're going to be parked against a fence faster than you shake a stick at, you know, and you're not going to be able to go over the mountains uh, to deliver into Vancouver and pick up into Vancouver and take it out to Newfoundland. So to me, it's, it, it, it's almost a no-brainer. Um, rates are going to go through the roof, so we're going to be successful. So stick to that success plan that's been working for the last year and a half. Yeah, and, and 
Demand is going to continue to outstrip supply for some time. And, you know, even if from a manufacturing perspective we catch up and the ports are, are caught up and things get back to whatever new, the new normal is going to be, uh, we have another issue. Right now we have, we have a shortage of 80,000 truck drivers. We're projected to have a shortage of 160,000 truck drivers by 2030. Yep. That actually has an impact on supply chain because with, with that shortage, we can't get products to the shelf fast enough. And if demand continues to outstrip supply, then inflation rates and interest rates are going to continue to be high. And this is going to create some additional economic you know, instability in, in <laughs> GDP growth and things like that. So there's a lot going on here and there's a lot of macro uh, type things that have to be considered when then you make your decisions that are more mm-hmm. on on you mm-hmm. on the micro level for your company. Yep. The one thing I will say is that I started my business, my contracting business, in, in 2009 during the the collapse after the housing crisis. Yep. It's a great time for investment, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of opportunities, a lot of wealth can be created during these tough times. And it's very difficult in a, in a real strong bull market to make headway because everybody's doing well. But right now, while there's so much uncertainty, reinvestment into your company, like you said, back, put, put money back into your people. Make sure your repair technicians are up to snuff with their training. Make sure that your, your drivers are well taken care of. Make sure that you are investing in new systems to make your vehicles operate better, to be, to be more efficient as a company, to be able to provide your service to your customers at a lower cost, not a lower price, but a lower cost than your competitors. Yeah. Those are the fundamentals that you can focus on that really will help you to come out of this, this difficult time uh, and, and ride the next wave whenever it is, the next bull market, mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. head and shoulders above your competition because you invested in your people, you invested in the technology and the systems while not abandoning the fundamentals that keep the commercial uh, trucking industry as really the backbone of society, which is what it is. <laughs> Well, there, there's a phrase out there that I'm thinking of, but I'd like to change the phrase a little bit. Uh, and, and the phrase is usually, the strong will survive. But I'm thinking... And John forgot to feed the squirrels again. Uh, <laughs> he lives out in the rural rural area, so we'll never know what John said. But <laughs> Well, I, I was going to... I was Whatever he was going to say, I was either going to agree with him or as I was going to say, you know, the smart... They, they do well. The people who's, who, who are smart and who uh, stick to those, those strong fundamentals that make this industry so great, those are the ones that are always going to do well. Awesome. Jamie, I think that's a perfect way to wrap this episode up. Uh, we've been here with Jamie Irvine of the Heavy Duty Parts Report podcast. And Jamie is also a consultant. So thanks so much, Jamie, for coming on the show. appreciate it. appreciate your time. Chris, John, thank you so much. And your contact info and the podcast link is in the show notes down below. Thank you.